Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. men greets the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final scourge which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its Memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publisher and Broadcasting Network in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. And we're live. From the Longford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at Gridiron Greats Magazine. It is at this time I would like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Uh, Bob, so happy to be here. You are in rare form. Your football came off outstanding. We're in the middle of an ice Yeah. I got to tell you, it's like you and I, we're constantly talking. We're constantly texting. I mean, when a show rolls around, it's almost like, I mean, just a continuation of conversations we constantly have throughout the week. It's just, uh, it's it's fun. I love it. It's very it, you're you're correct in what you say. It's it's a uh, it's just a, it's a natural almost like a natural progression bringing our thoughts to the public and bringing information to the public on so many different subjects of football history and memorabilia. It's great. And we are going to lead off tonight in our pregame, and we're going to talk about a few things. And I'm going to lead off with the incredible auction that was on eBay. 
for a 1933 Diamond Matchbook, which was a mm-hmm. silver Ernie Hefner Green Bay Packer matchbook. And it ended up selling for $1,791.99. I was, I, was, yep. I was floored by that price. Floored. Totally floored. One of the rarest, uh, one of the rarest matchbooks in the set, uh, and a, and a Packer. Uh, you know, you talk about the big five: Packers, Steelers, Cowboys. You know, Patriot. I mean, there are certain teams that they're the most widely collected teams. I mean, so it, it touched a lot of bases. And I think I think what really happened now is I think the diamond matchbooks are especially yeah. becoming much more popular and much more appreciated. Whereas I can remember, uh, you know, in the early 90s, mid-90s, they still weren't overly popular, and you could get them, you know, for a song. However, the more rare yep. uh, pieces of the Diamond Matchbook sets, just like the Sepner one and a few other ones, were still very difficult to come by. It rarely came out to the market. But uh, the more common ones, it was not, it was not unheard of. You could, you could buy a full, full Matchbook, for you know, under five bucks, and they were in pristine oh, yeah. condition. It was, it was incredible, oh, the, truly incredible. The red, but seeing the red what, seeing what's happening today, yeah. Seeing what's seeing what's happening today. I mean, there's just a, there's a really big demand now, strong demand, and not just for, um, uh, you know, one one color of each player or whatever. A lot of a lot of collectors are now trying to collect yeah. all the colors. And yeah. uh, and all the sets, so it's pretty interesting. It's good to see for the hobby. Yeah. But uh, the, I was the just Grange, I, was, I figured the Grange matchbook in that set is two hundred and fifty bucks for the Grange. I mean, and yep. it's been pretty consistent. But you know, the the Nagurski, the you know the, the the Cliff Battles. There's a there's Dutch Clark one is one of my favorites. Just a really good photo. But I mean, they've been you know matchbooks have been one of those little esoteric things that people collect it's not a mainstream thing it's just uh, a really cool yep. thing and condition sensitive obviously a full matchbook is better with all the matches in it is better with the striker on it i mean there's all kinds of little nuances you have you know within that you know within that that uh you know that set exactly and it, and it's like i said it's finally gets it's getting some appreciation now especially for the more advanced collectors that they're really realizing, you know, that, Hey, this is, you know, the first, the first quote unquote card slash photo of a lot of these players. And, uh, it is very collectible and the prices are starting to see it. So I'm I'm real happy for it. I, I honestly thought, I didn't think that was going to break like 1100 at the most, but when I saw the final, final hammer and I was like, wow, that was incredible. Incredible to see, and I guess the gal who's selling, uh, who sold it, she either inherited or she is helping her uncle sell his collection. And uh, I don't have, I don't have a full story on it, but uh, she does have a lot of very interesting uh, football and baseball items that she's selling on on eBay. So, pretty interesting. I know you saw a few uh, oddball and interesting items that went for. Some yeah. serious money. Some uh, some things you know that we watched that you and I tech. But are, are you sitting in front of a computer? I never got a chance to see. But there was a a, uh, a 1916 uh, M101 Jim Thorpe, uh, and the you know the M101 is blank backed, of course. I mean, are, uh, 
uh, PSA eight point very very tough card to find in high grade. It's you know thin. Uh, it's uh, you know it's a, it's a thin one. It's uh, it's Thor playing for the Giants. You know you know condescending himself and this great football athlete putting on a baseball uniform, just whoring himself out for money. Just it's always a shame to see great footballers you know have to you know play baseball. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> just a great. I mean, in, in an eight point five, I think that is the highest grade. I don't think there's a nine. I, I know there's a couple eights yeah, I don't, out there. I don't think so either. But I was yeah, I watching it. I don't it think was up to forty. Forty. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bob. No, I was going to say I, I I know for a fact there was nothing higher graded than that week, and uh, yeah. that's the you know, that's the one one thing I did look up on it. And uh, so what's it going for now? Because I'm not, I'm. Uh, I lost track I, of it. It ended oh, no. yesterday, and it was at forty-one thousand dollars the last time I looked. Uh, wow! And I, I hate to say it, wow. I didn't look to see what it ended at. If you're sitting in front of your computer, could you look up, uh, you know, night, uh, yeah, you know, nineteen me, uh, sixteen Jim Thorpe? But it was okay. at forty-one thousand. If you can imagine, I mean, but this is, you know, a nineteen sixteen. Uh, other than like, I mean, the the Z nut with him paying for the Portland Beavers. There's very few. I mean, what, what is a rookie card? I mean, we've got postcards from Thorpe playing in the Stockholm Olympics. There's quite a few postcards that are played. There's, uh, you know, there's, you know, I mean, this is just one of the first cards of him wearing a uniform. There's an actual card, uh, you know, you know, you know, coming with a product versus a postcard. Uh, so, I mean, it touches a lot of bases. It's, you know, it's, you know, Hall of Famer one of the greatest athletes of the century. I mean, uh, you know, it could be said between him and Bo Jackson, you know, both of them right. just, you know, you know, once in a lifetime athletes, but, uh, and obviously one of the highest in its grade, uh, but uh, 41,000 is what it was at yesterday. Just, uh, and I was just kind of smiling seeing that result. I consider Thorpe to be a footballer before a baseball guy. So uh, I just, right. Right. Well, again, that's, always that's fun to see gonna something. Be demand- going to be demanded on both sides mm-hmm. of the uh, coin. It's going to be both. Uh, it's, go, it's going to be both a uh, demand for baseball collectors, and it's also going to be demanded by uh, football collectors Footballers. at the same yeah, time. Uh, so, those football exactly. guys. So, yeah. Did you did you see the uh, did you find it closed auction? It, it would have yeah. closed yesterday. And I yeah, apologize. Still, I, nah, no problem. No problem. Who was it again? Uh, and then uh, uh, 1916 M101 Jim Thorpe PSA 8.5. No, I mean, what? what would be who's good. the auction house again? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh shoot! I say, oh, it's PWCC. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned this, but uh, the owner of PWCC lives uh, about five houses up from me. So I was. If I wanted, I was going to say just, uh, you know, drive over. You know, just walk on up and get it. <laughs> just kind of funny. Uh, another good, just chime in when you find it. But another, another really big auction item that got my, you know, raised my eyebrow. Uh, Huggins and Scott, which is, uh, you know, we're going through a little bit of a, a bleak time, you know, uh, you know, through the through the desert right now of auctions. Uh, you know, and I always love to have at least one or two good auctions up where I can watch stuff, but. Uh, Huggins and Scott fired off a couple days ago, and they have an auction that ends uh, next week. 
and one of their marquee auction items is a sealed case of 1981 wax packs boxed. So there wow. are 20 wow. 1981 wax packs boxes with 36 packs each inside this sealed case. Uh, and just how is something 40 years just inside of a case, just these should be pristine, non-X'd out, uh, just beautiful boxes. And 1981 boxes, wax packs boxes, you know, sealed from BBC go and, 1600 to $2,000 right now with 20 of these, you're talking about a $40,000 up, you know, upwards of $40,000, but what an incredible, I mean, wow. how many more, you know, sealed cases of, you know, 40 year old wax are there floating around out there? Just right. incredible. Right. I, right. I love it. Uh, All right. It was the high briefly at, at 5,000. Oh, yep. The Thorpe one for 49 one. I don't know if I told you this, but I bought a bunch of wax. 
No, go ahead. I don't know if I told you this, but I bought a bunch of wax at a national, and obviously I don't want to ship that home, so I just put it in my carry-on, and I go through right. the X-ray. I think this was Baltimore, uh, and no, I go through the X-ray machine. Chicago. And, oh, sh- Chicago, you're correct. I, gosh, I, I guess you have Chicago. heard this story. I remember this now. But, yeah. Yeah. but the, the 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 person sees the gum in like an '84 wax packs box. You know, pulls it aside, thinking it's you know C4 or something. You know, and, you know I've got you know the the, the TSA agent and a, and a boss over there looking. I'm like, these are wax pack boxes. This is the you know ladies manhandling. Yeah. I'm like, you know, would you mind being careful? That's very expensive. And I ended up opening up a pack and sticking the gum in my mouth. Yeah. Like, see, it's gum. Yeah. I'm like, by the way, I'm I'm one of the first nerds leaving this convention. You're going to see a lot more of us. So you better get used to seeing some gum. So, uh, wow, yeah. wow, that's funny. sad. Unbelievable. Well, all right. Our special guest is here, and I'd like to get to his introduction and start talking. Our special guest tonight is a longtime advanced collector and hobby icon who's specialized over the years in Heartland statues, exhibits, post serial cards, and Salada tea coins. He is truly a hobby icon, and I'd like to welcome to our show this evening. Mr. Fred McKay. Fred, welcome. To hey, you. gentlemen. Good afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon to you, Fred. Welcome to the show. Uh, I don't know if I belong on the show after that icon. Uh, <laughs> I think that's just a good word for old, isn't it? <laughs> no. Vintage. Vintage is how we say vintage. old around here. Ah, uh, excuse like, me. Okay, like, well, I'm I'm vintage, but <laughs> only back to the '60s like, and '50s and '60s is my area of expertise. I like uh, I like using strong adjectives sometimes. So that's one of my an icon is a favorite word of mine when I when I talk. And uh, Fred, I believe we met um, at the last Chicago National. We had our little pizza dinner there, and right. I think you attended and. And uh, we talked a few times oh, nice. throughout the show. So starting off, my first question is tonight, how did you become interested in football and collecting football items? Well, my introduction to the hobby was when uh, when I moved to a new neighborhood and all the kids there were collecting baseball cards. I never really had any before that, but in order to fit in, you know, as kids like to do, I got into collecting the cards. And uh, the first set that I really collected brand new, you know, when the series came out, the 1960 Tops Baseball, and I can still remember where I was, what store, where I was standing when I opened up my first pack and saw Dave Hillman of the Red Sox, and then, of course, as the season went on, then the football cards came out, so then I was collecting the 1960 Tops football cards. Wow. It's always good to hear somebody coming to their senses and coming to their senses and stepping away from baseball to football. <laughs> I, I did collect both for quite a while, and I still do. Um, I got into the organized hobby, what I'll call the organized hobby, later on in 1963. Uh, my parents and I were visiting some relatives in Virginia, and there was a guy selling Japanese baseball cards in the back of the sporting news at the time. Oh, wow. And he happened to be in that area of Virginia, so I uh, enticed my father to take me over to visit this fellow in his in his apartment. And he sold me some Japanese baseball cards and gave me a few things I'd never seen before, like 1939 play ball, baseball, and he gave me some football cards, oh, too. Wow. 
Uh, but the big thing that really opened it up to me, he gave me some old news news publications, newsletters, and collectors things like I don't know if either of you remember Ball Card Collector by George Robert Martin out of Tennessee. Oh, and wow. of course, in those wow. days, it was all mimeograph things, you know, pretty much that were sent out, and that opened it up to me. Guys had ads in there, what they were looking for, and it was all done over the mail. And I started writing and making some trades through the mail back in those days. So that was really how I got involved in the hobby and collecting football things. How old were you then when you started corresponding with people to trade? Probably 13. Good 13 or 14, and I was already collecting this a lot of coins by then because they came out in 1962. So um, I was collecting the Heartlands by then as well. And uh, post-serial cards, of course, came out 61, 62, and 63. Actually, they started in 1960. I didn't start till 61. And the football cards came out in 62. So I was collecting all those all the way along the line. As a kid, of course, like everybody else, cutting them off the back of the box. Wow. Wow. Speaking of, Unbelievable. Speaking of Heartland I, statues, I really, I really appreciate you, you know, emailing me, you know, you know, so – you know, to, to our listeners, you know, Bob will typically introduce a guest, you know, have a rough, uh, you know, list of questions. And then, you know, then there's a, you know, usually a couple of emails to get batted back and forth just to clarify. Harlan statues are something I'm not very familiar with. Uh, so I, you know, kind of took it offline and, you know, followed up. I just, I appreciated your time explaining it to me. But um, I, I own one Heartland statue. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, I don't know a lot about it. How did you get into those? And I mean, what is it about them that drew you to it? Well, my first introduction was um, about 1959, I guess, or 60. My parents uh, went away for the weekend to Atlantic City, New Jersey, and I stayed with my grandparents. And as a lot of parents do, when they come back, they bring a little something to the kid, you know, to pacify him for being away for the weekend. And they brought me a Nellie Fox Heartland statue. That was the first one I'd ever seen or had. And from there on, every birthday or Christmas or Easter or whatever, where I would get gifts from my parents or family, I always would get Heartland statues. So that's what started me off on the uh, on the trail of those, and I ended up completing all of them, the baseball ones. The football ones weren't as immediately available for some reason in my area of New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania area that I could find. But I did find the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, which is our home team. So I did have the Eagles running back and linemen. They they issued two of each, two for each team at the time, 14 teams back then. And they had a running back pose and a lineman pose, they called them. And I did have the Eagles, but I never was able to expand my collection too much to get other, other teams until much later. And then uh, I did pick up a pretty big group in a, in a master auction, oh, probably uh, – I'm guessing now 18 years ago or so from a fellow who actually I knew back in the day named Jack Urban in Wisconsin. It ended up being his collection of, uh, of statues and boxes. And it was big, it was a big enough collection that it wasn't complete. So it allowed me to, you know, chase after, which is the fun, of course, chase after and try to complete the set myself. Huh. And how does that work? You said it's two per two per team per year. In, no, in, just in one year. They, well, they were basically issued just in one year, 1962, roughly. I mean, they may have come out oh. late 61 and gone into early 63, but what happened, the Heartland Company, who produced these statues, was bought out by Revlon, and they, they bought the factory in order to make cosmetic makeup 
kits. So they stopped making the statues. So basically, 1962 was the established year for the Heartland football. The baseball went from 58 to 62. The football is pretty much considered 1962. So only the one year did they issue these, and they issued two poses for each team. Again, a running back pose and a lineman pose. Wow. You know, it, it's funny, though. The word Heartland statue has almost become generic because you'll see people, like on eBay, selling, you know, uh, you know imitation Heartland statues and uh, you know, but I've just always considered them to be Heartland. Uh, well, the problem is there's been about original. five different incarnations of Heartland, of the Heartland company. The original one was in Heartland, Wisconsin, and they're the ones that make it, the ones that we're talking about. And then later down the line, when it was closed up, the rights to them were sold to somebody in Missouri who really didn't do much with them. Then the rights were sold to somebody in Dallas who came out with new, quote-unquote, Heartland statues. And then it went to Louisiana who made reprints or reproductions of the originals and added on to other things. And then it went to Missouri again, where they did make a few, including a Johnny Unitas remake, which I've neglected to mention. The original ones, they did make only two players, and one was Johnny Unitas and the other was John Ornette. And they're a little bit different in the construction and in the boxes than the the generic football teams. And the generic football ones came with... um, a page of stickers that you could uh, decals, they should call them, with the numbers. So you could take out your St. Louis Cardinals and put number eight on it for Larry. Um, I can't think of his name now. The, the uh, Larry. Yes, Larry Wilson. Larry Wilson. You, right, or you could take 32 and make Jim Brown of, of the uh, Browns, or 31 for the Packers and make it Jim Taylor. So they had these decals in there that you could actually make the the, the statue, whatever player that was your favorite player of the team. And so How anyway, so the Missouri things? company later did a reproduction of Johnny Unitas. That's the only football one that was done. And then later on, the, um, the Louisiana company made some generic LSU statues, which are smaller, don't look anything at all like the originals. Um, but then going back to the originals again, somehow, someway, they made statues for the Louisiana State University. And it was right around the time, I guess maybe a little bit after when um, – that they were the national champions, and I guess mm-hmm. that's when um, uh, Billy Cannon was with them, as I recall. And, and they somehow we don't know the history of these. These Louisiana State University Heartlands are very, very rare. And there's been two stories that they shipped a few of them down to the uh, bookstore to see if they would sell. And the other story was they they gave them out at games, and the LSU lost the game that day, and all the statues were thrown down on the ground and destroyed. Well, I don't think they were doing giveaways back then that I'm aware of. So the book yeah, the story, story sort of makes more sense to me. The, yeah, I was going to say the story I've heard was that they were they were supposed to be sold in the school bookstore, but they didn't t- they really didn't have great demand for it. So I, I heard that story. I never heard the second story though. Yeah, yeah well, that first story makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are yeah, the, what are the dimensions much... of these Heartland statues? Because I bought a quote-unquote Heartland statue of Red Grange a couple years ago. They were calling it a Heartland statue, but obviously, you know, it's it's modeled after the, you know, the statue of Grange outside of Soldier Stadium uh, 
just so yeah. You know, what are the dimensions of these? Well, the, the the later Heartlands that were done, the Ohio company did a lot of things like stadium giveaways and things, and they were is yours like a solid bronze color or something like like that? It is, yes, sir. Yeah, those were the later incarnations. The Dallas, uh, the Heartland name was gotten. The original ones are about eight eight feet high. They came on a they came on a green base that has the team name and the NFL logo on the base. Not eight feet high. Not eight feet or eight inches. Eight inches. I'm sorry. Did I say feet? Eight, <laughs> eight, eight inches. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had a spinal tap. We had a spinal tap moment. There. Yeah. Uh, uh, wow. Okay, so yeah, this one's uh, the Red Grange one's about eight inches. Okay, so as you can see, just the the Heartland name getting thrown around and bought and sold. Uh, I thought I had a Heartland statue. I had no idea that those were issued only in one yeah. year. That's yeah. Cool. Well, you do have a Heartland statue, just not an original Heartland statue uh, issued in the '60s, which came in the team colors. You know, the, the jerseys are the right color of jerseys. Yeah. The helmets are the right colors. I have some things from the. Um, from the company files where they actually have the um, the logos and team colors and things like that, like on a mock-up type uh, type-up sheet. Oh, how cool! Wow, how cool is that? Right yeah, I like all the oddball stuff and things I can I collect. I only collect pretty much now four things, so I can go really crazy in them. In terms of, you know, I love all the ads and the displays and contracts and things like that for the things I I do collect. Yeah. Yeah. Fred, is there is there one team for the for the original Heartlands that is more more difficult to obtain than any other? Have have you noticed that over the yes, years? Yes, no I'm question. Besides the LSU, which again are very very difficult. Right, right. The most difficult NFL one is the Redskins lineman for some reason. Um, okay. I don't know why that is on everybody's want list. It, it ends up being the last one of the few. I I might know of maybe. So four or five complete sets at the most in the hobby. I'm um, not saying there aren't more, but that I know of. And a lot of the guys still need the Redskins linemen. Uh, historically, the Cowboys, the Redskins, the Lions, and the 49ers have been the toughest ones. Then you can go to the Colts. Things like the Packers are pretty, pretty common. The Giants are pretty common. Again, I guess because of the – uh, well, the Packers, obviously, because of the fandom and being in Wisconsin where they were issued um, right. or made, I should say, and the Giants because of the large population center, I would think. The Bears are pretty common. The Browns are pretty common. When I say common, I'm talking in relationship to the rest of them. Right, right, right. That's good to know. I, ne- I never realized it was the uh, Redskins lineman. That's that's the worst one. Yep, Interesting. seems to be. Unitas and Arnett can be found somewhat easily. The Arnett more so than the Unitas, I guess, because he's not as popular as the Unitas. So Unitas is out there quite a bit. Right, right, right. Cool. Now I know you also you also collect uh, the Salada T coins and the exhibit cards, and you got pretty advanced collections in both. How'd you get started on those? And, and describe it a little. Yeah, the exhibit cards. I started. Uh, my father worked for Dupont, and um, at the end of the summer, there was an amusement park near us. And at the end of the summer, Dupont would rent out the entire park just for the oh, employees wow. of the Dupont company. So we could go and just go on all the rides for free. Didn't have wow. to worry about tickets or anything like like that. And of course, there was an arcade there, and there was exhibit cards. And you put in your two pennies and push it in the slot and pull it out, and here comes your exhibit card. So that's how I got started on my exhibit cards. 
And uh, as I've done with the four what or five things that? I collect, pretty yeah. much it's all things I collected as a kid. There's a lot of coins. What year? I beg your pardon. What year was that uh, that you were putting you were putting your money in your exhibit uh, display? Again, that was probably early '60s. Um, the problem with that, in terms of football, was football exhibits. <laughs> Supposedly, we're only like 49, 50, 51, 52. But, yeah, exactly. But they're still showing up in the exhibit card catalogs in 1955. Right. So right. they were still out there somewhere, somehow, and I do recall getting them in some of the exhibit machines. Obviously, these amusement parks would buy them in bricks and put yeah. them in the machine, and if they hadn't sold out, they just kept popping them in the machine. So I was getting both baseball and football cards out of them at the time. Fascinating. That's cool. I love the exhibits. I, I always thought they were 48 to 52, as Bob mentioned. Uh, a couple of years ago, a guy on a, a chat board had refurbished one of the uh, exhibit you know, machines, and I bought it. Uh, Good. It was sad because he didn't, he didn't package it very well, and the glass got broken on the on you know while it was being shipped. But it was still just cool uh, just to have it. And I, I collected those exhibits. So I was able to put a couple raw football cards, you know, in there, and it was just I just loved it. I just exhibits are one of the best sets, I think. Yeah, and especially like you said in the machines, I've got two or three of the machines myself. Yeah. Do you get those graded? Wow. They look really good in the STC holder. Uh, I, I don't even think PSA grades them. Do you get those graded, or are your collections raw? PSA doesn't grade. SGC does, the football. Um, I'm an old head. I'm not a graded guy, per se. Uh, I'm To me, that's money, and I'm a collector. I don't care what things are worth. I just, you know, I just collect them. That being said, I do have some things that are graded, but majority of my cards are ungraded. Yeah. The I've one, the one football card I did get great. graded, however, was uh-huh. the Bednary checklist card that I I don't think there's more than one known that I'm aware of anyway. And right. Um, right. Uh, I did get that graded because some people were telling me it wasn't real. And uh, I had the paper version that would show up in the exhibit card machine headers. I, I had one or two of those with the with the checklist card on it, but uh, there's a thin paper. But the card itself, um, I did get that graded, so I do have that in my collection. Outstanding. When did you get that? Because uh, one just sold at an auction probably like two years ago, I believe. It just just to show how rare it was. It's a, you know, even when I was collecting it, I never I never saw one for sale. So. Yeah, that was me. Guilty. That was. Um, out of um, here, I go with fitting names again. Mike, um, out in your neck of the woods, big football collector. Blaisdell. Yes, Mike Blaisdell collection. Yeah. 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 I sorry Good about that, Mike. Mike. We, we, we we roomed together at the last Chicago show. I forgot his last name. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that was uh, through BST then, John Spano. Because uh, I, yeah, right. you're right. That was he. They did sell it. That okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just have to, you know, when I collect a few things, I have to have all this stuff around it in my mind. So (laughs) that was was sort of a no-brainer for me to go after that. Uh, Sorry, Carl. I know Carl wanted it, too. Yeah, I was lucky enough to pick up a couple of Mike Blaisdell uh, collectible items, too, for my my collection. So it's always an honor to have those. I agree. He has a tremendous collection. I'm sure he still does, but the things he let go were mind-blowing. 
Yeah, he's yeah, got an amazing exactly. collecting. He 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 kept his he kept his Steve Large and stuff, so he's still got an amazing. Collection. <laughs> Good. <laughs> How about so, uh, the last yeah. coins? Because those those bring back nice memories for me too. So. Yeah. Again, um, right in my wheelhouse, age-wise, twelve years old, um, baseball and football, in the t- in the yep. tea box, tea bag boxes, and the junket rented yep. custard yep. pudding boxes, and. Um, just had those as a kid. I remember having my father built me a gigantic, well, two gigantic bulletin boards on my on my wall to put hang up all my sports stuff. And you could just take a thumbtack and catch it in the top of the rim of the coin and push it into the yeah. bulletin board, and the coins would sit up there. And I've got pictures of my – to this day, I have two photographs of my, my room back from 1963, I think it was. And you can see there's a lot of coins hanging on my bulletin board. And just had those as a kid, never, again, as a kid, never had a complete set. But as I got older and advanced in the hobby, then I did manage to finish the set off and pick up uh, one of the boxes. The, the, uh, they had salesmen's, um, like, promotional boxes that they would give to the supermarket right. guys, you know. And I have a box of that, and I've got an uncut sheet of this, a lot of coins also, the metal uncut sheet, where you can actually see a complete set, and then you can see a lot yeah. of the... Not short print, but extra print coins that were on there. Yeah. So there's actually more yeah. Jim Browns and Johnny Unitas's than one would think. And they put those on there, obviously, because they were going to be more popular. I still remember. I Could you share that picture with us? I think well, I have it a- somewhere online. I mean, I can pop it back if you'd like me to put it somewhere. I'd be glad to put it somewhere wherever you want to tell me. I'll be glad to put it on. Oh, Email it, not email. You know, chain that Bob had between us, if you would mind. I just want to. Okay, sure, that. that's fine. I love, I absolutely love old photos like that, especially of sets that I'm not very familiar with, like the slot of you know coins. Yeah. I I remember doing a story for Sports Collectors Digest in the '90s on, on the slot of T coins, and I wrote to the factory. And there was a guy who actually who worked there who had a very strong interest, and in, so he. He gave, he gave me a lot of nice, uh, interesting information on it. I remember writing that uh, article way back when. It's got to be over 30 years ago now. But um, it was a fascinating set to, to collect for football. And you're right, a lot of the the double and triple prints were star players and, and, and you know, unknown players were single prints. Yep. So that's why you're paying so much for, uh, you know, what you would be considered common in, in a set or – Basically, a, a very unknown player type of situation. But I always liked that set. I did. I did complete that set. That's one set I, I will not get rid of. Mm. That, that uh, beautiful set. Beautiful. It displays so nicely, and, and it's just so cool to look at. It is. And, uh, sure. Amazing, amazing mm. set. Well, Brad, you've name dropped a lot of really cool, rare, you know, sets. Uh, that I, I, I admire from afar. So, I mean, it's got to be tough, but if, could you whittle down, like, what your top five, six favorite things are that you collect? Uh, yeah, the Heartland statues, the um, Salada coins, exhibit card, post-serial cards, and when I, when I say these things, again, I'm, I'm talking all things to do with them. Like I said, uncut sheets and contracts and you know, display props and just display pieces and things like that too. Those are the main four or five things that I really collect now, and I go heavy in them. I guess to narrow down a little bit more, with within those, what are your favorite things in your collection? The top five or six? I, I beg your pardon. I should have 
Ah, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, Favorites and rarities can sometimes be different things. Um, That's very true. Yeah, you know, it's it's, – I guess a combination of things, the – the LSU, I do have one of the two LSU statues, so that has to be one of my top things. Um, the Bednarik checklist card, no question, is, yeah. again, that is rarity, and, and I have to like it because of that. Um, in in post-serial, I have a master problem. set of the football set, and the majority of the supermarket display kit that they issued to the supermarkets with banners and signage and things oh, like that. Oh. I don't have the really big sign that has Paul Horning on it and some other players. I don't have that. I have some pieces of it. Uh, that's one thing I am missing. Um, uh, I like my exhibit football cards in the colors because they're pretty hard to come by. I've got colors yeah. in some of the exhibit football cards. And uh, I was out to the exhibit ca- ca- factory, actually, in 1966 in Chicago, and I got a tour by the owner of the exhibit card company, and and uh, he was nice enough to gift me with about 12 uncut sheets, which I still have to this day of exhibit cards, but unfortunately, there was no football in 1966 left over, I guess, so I never ended up with any of the football sheets I wish I had. I do have some uh, yeah. uh, some smaller of the sports champions, which included some football cards. I do have some of those uncut and about like six or eight card sheets too. But I, I think the, um, I think the main, my main big things would be the LSU running back, the master set of uh, post serial. Um, of course, my collection of Heartland football too. And then um, the exhibits and the colors are my main favorite things of all the football things that I have. The master set of post Sorry, go ahead. Go for it, Bob. I think we're going to ask the same question. On the post, yeah, I think we're going to ask the same question. How many cards are in the actual post-serial football masters, though? I should know that. 500 and some. Um, I don't know for sure. Um, And the master set, for those who don't know, is uh, Jim Brown, let's say, for instance, was issued – on three different serials, so get, I'm pulling these numbers out of the out of the air. I, these aren't really don't quote me on anything for sure. Um, so, if he was on a raisin brand, a sugar crisp, and a crispy critters, there's ways to tell which card came off of which box. And okay. a lot of guys right. have uncut panels that they can compare. There's differences in coloring. There's differences in cropping of the photo. There's other minute differences that you can see when you can compare panel to panel. And a really good way to find this information, if anybody's interested, is a fellow named Ken Marks wrote a book, literally wrote a book about it. And there's a fellow named Robin Paul, who has a great website. I think it's Post Serial Football. Yeah. You can actually go on and read and, and see what we're talking about with uh, with these master sets and how to tell the difference in, in between the cards and some of it is is really really minute and hard to tell uh, even when you even when you see examples or read about examples um, online or in the book so uh, it's uh, <laughs> it really is something to uh, to go after a master set and there's even I mean, like anything else, master sets can be defined a lot of different ways. So, but but there yeah, are right. five hundred and some, I think, in the master set. Wow. What about yeah, panels? That, that number. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> I was going to say we had we had Robin on the show a few years back, 
Yes. And the number 500-something sticks in my mind. And I remember that now. And uh, and it, we were both shocked when we heard there were that many cards. So basically it's almost two and a half sets that you're putting together instead of a 200-card yeah. set, you know, with 500-plus yeah. cards. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And there's even more things being found out probably since Robin talked to you on the on the phone on his on the podcast about it too that we're finding out ways to tell other cards that were basically the same panel would be printed on let's say alphabet and uh um I'm just trying to think of another serial that it would be on alphabet I'm looking at a list here now I'm trying to think well brand flakes would be the same as Sugar Crisp, just say. So the same panel with the same six or seven guys would be on two different serials. And that's and it's sometimes hard to tell the difference that way. And that's what we're learning how to do now, or not me so much as other people. But that's adding to the to the number of uh, cards in the master set. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. when you only collect panel, a few, you can go crazy like that. Yeah. When you try to collect everything, you can't you can't do that, so... Right, right. Within exactly. that set, there's the panels, the panels on the box, and I've heard various various things like how how many variations of panels are there? What would you consider master set of the panels? That just came up recently on uh, Finnish football collectors. Um, I think you can get a set out of 88 panels, but there was more than 88 panels, if I remember what I'm reading recently on on online anyway. Um, I'm sure there, I know there's probably a couple guys that have sets on panels. I, I don't, I, I sort of got into this late in the game in terms of, uh, uh, maybe meaning the last four or five years where these guys have been doing it for 15 or 20. So they're, you know, way far more advanced than I and ones to talk to about it. But, um, yeah, the panels. some people even, I do have one or two panels. I do have one or two complete boxes that, uh, someone still has the cereal in them. Uh, one doesn't, and then of course they made the. There was just recently a sale of uh, that uh, unopened package of post um, variety pack or post tens, if you know what I'm talking about, the little small okay. boxes yep. in yep. the cellophane, yep. and one card, the alphabet box on those in those cereals came with a card on the back, and one of those just popped up on eBay, and it was gobbled up very shortly, and then showed up in an REA auction and went for pretty big money and that was in the last few months uh so the little small alphabet boxes with a single card on the back are pretty hard to find too yeah wow how cool amazing uh you mentioned the exhibit um visiting the exhibit factory uh do you have any uh any collecting stories you'd like to share with our audience i know you talked a bit about that was there anything else that you wanted to talk about on that um, there's probably a lot, but more baseball, unfortunately, than football. Um, I'm just trying to think what else football related. Um, sharing, sharing a room with Mike Blaze Delta Nationals, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. That was nice information from him. That, that's that's for sure. And of course, the pizza dinner that we all went out to, the Bob referenced earlier. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, in terms of that, I mean, I wasn't at the Heartland factory. I, as I said, I remember talking about post cereal. There's a story I remember as a kid again. Uh, on Saturdays, they would have kids' films in the afternoon, and it'd always be like a little cereal beforehand. When I say cereal, with an S, 
with like uh, Zorro, not the Zorro from TV, but there'd be a Zorro. And at the end of the 10 minute little promo, they, he would be on a conveyor belt going toward a saw, you know, buzzsaw and come back next week to see how Zorro gets out of this one. And then there'd be the movie yeah. afterwards. <laughs> well, before the movie, I would go in and other kids would go in and I'd be trading cards, the post serial cards with kids from other neighborhoods that I wouldn't normally see. But we would meet at the movie theater, and I could trade with this guy who was, you know, three miles away or four miles away that you wouldn't normally see riding your bike. You just you just traded with the guys in your own neighborhood at the time. So that's a, that's a fond memory that I have of, uh, wow. of trading truck cards in the back of the movie theater, post serial cards with those guys. I remember going to a store, uh, a toy store in in Delaware, and seeing an entire wall of Heartland statues, and just. You know, baseball and football. Wow. And just being blown wow. out of my mind. Of course, if I could go back in time and buy them all, as we all know, that's not possible. But uh, I, that, that vision is still burned in my head, too. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That, was that? What, I beg your pardon, what year was that? Uh, that was probably, again, in the uh, early 60s, I would guess 61, 62. Yeah, because six football was out, so I'm guessing it would be 62. Yeah. That, that's just amazing. I mean, the exhibit factory, the, the Heartland, I mean, that's just, that's really cool. I uh, I used to have a, uh, a pr- printer's proof uncut sheet of 48 exhibit, um, and it was paper rolled up, and it was probably like, uh, you know, five by six, so maybe it was 30 cards. Uh and it was mixed. It wasn't just football on the sheet. It was all of the other things that exhibit you know, came out with. You know the you know the the movie stars. You know, et cetera. I thought it was pretty interesting. They mixed all that together. But you know, then when they but when they sold it, they sold it by sport. You know, you could get them in football or baseball. Okay, that's strange. So, you said it was thin paper though. Very thin paper. So it's printer's proof. It had writing on it and everything. Blank okay. Act, obviously. Well, those would be the ones generally used for the headers that go on the front of the machines, uh, the thin yeah. paper ones. I've, I've never seen a sheet that has uh, different things on them. Now, I, when you first started talking, I thought you were talking sports champions, which is another exhibit that, that has that has everything from football to boat racers to marble players to uh, ice skaters to hockey players in it. Uh, that's where I thought you were going, but when you said movie stars, and that threw me for a loop. So I guess maybe yeah. what they did, they printed the ones for the headers that way. I have some headers with the, with the single cards on them, but I've never seen an uncut sheet with movie stars and other sports players on them. That's very interesting. Yeah, and I have a couple of headers, all you know, dual panel header, you know, headers, and they're they're one panel. Uh, so it was just always unusual. It, it was a, it was in pretty tough shape. It you know came folded up, and the creases were. You know, I mean, it, you know, it, it's in pretty tough shape, but yeah. I just remember that was just, it's just one more piece to the mystery of how things were made, you know. I have one cool um, header that actually has cards on it, and it's a double panel, and it has both checklist cards side by side, the DiMaggio on the right in the middle, and the um, Bednary in the middle on the left-hand side touching each other, and then on the left-hand side is football, and on the right-hand side are the baseball players. Hmm. Oh, wow. I've never seen I've never seen another one of those with with both checklists on one header. Yeah, yeah, I never well, I never uh, I, Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, no, go for it. No, your your show, Bob. 
No, I was just going to say, I, I, never, I never heard of the uh, both baseball and football on it like that. But, again, like you're saying, yeah. so their header hurts. They probably made them just for the machines, obviously. And, uh, you know, they're enticing, you know, kids who, who collect both to, to buy the – put their coins in and get them. Yeah, they have them in the yeah. same machines. There were usually two slots. The bigger machines had two slots. Right. To put yeah. pennies in, so on the left slot would be the football in this in this instance, and on the right slot would be the baseball. Right, right. You, Fred, you've you've mentioned such a swath of things you collect. I mean, and just and, and very thinly traded esoteric stuff. I mean, what would you consider your white whale? What, what what's on your want list? Like you know, you know that you're constantly scouring auctions and eBay for. Well, my big thing right now is um, is the uh, LSU lineman. In football, that's the last football statue that I need. Um, I need one more box, which is, for some reason, one of the easiest statues to find is the Cardinals lineman. Now, that said, the Cardinals running back is very difficult to find. I don't know why that is, but at any rate, I need the last box that I need is the uh, Cardinals lineman. And I, we don't think or know or have ever seen an LSU box, so we're not sure that that you know that that exists. We don't know how they were given to LSU or how if they were whatever. But uh, the box for the Cardinals linemen, and if there are boxes for the LSU statues, that would be the main thing. And then the final big whale would be um, the post serial supermarket display, the large piece with the Paul Horning card, Paul Horning picture, and then there's individual big cards of Unitas and. Uh, um, Kilmer and I can't think of the third player's name, but there, there's a large thing of that. Then there's some Paul Horning posters also that were part of the post serial tang. Uh, they were all sort of general food related uh, issues. So I'm, those are the main things that I'm really looking for. So if anybody out there has an LSU lineman original, please let me know. That's that's my real big white whale. Fred, you came wow. to the right place. We call that the gridiron great bump, where guests come on and ask for things and. Wishes do come true. It's happened to me. I've had people reach out to Bob and like, hey, tell Joe I got this. So, oh, great. Well, um, give him my phone number and email. <laughs> Let me know. I appreciate it. If anybody wants information or help or anything on the few things we've talked about, I'd be glad to share and give any information and help in trading things that I can. What's the dimensions of that Paul Horning big display? Uh, I should know that too. Uh, I'm thinking it's like 36 by 24, something like that. Um, yeah, I was gonna oh, say it's two. It's two by three. Two. two oh, is it? Three. Okay, I thought it was even bigger than that. Yeah. that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm almost positive it's it's uh, two by three, 24 by 36. So. Well, it's not I'm really square positive. though. What I'm talking about. Right. 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 So yeah. Because yeah. I do have the baseball could... ones that are big like like that, uh, but I don't have the football ones. So. Right. Yeah, but it it is quite big, and I think it's a uh, you know it's not as much. I think it is cardboard, or it's a little thicker than normal card. You know the card stock, the card stock is. Right. Right. All right, we're we're almost Funny. out of time, Fred. I got one one final question to ask you. Any final thoughts and any advice for any for our listeners who may be beginning collectors in these areas? Well, the thing I always tell people, and again, this is an old head um, philosophy, I guess, is you'll never go wrong collecting things that you like. Um, it, it never mattered to me what things were worth or valued. Um, if I liked it, I went after it. If I didn't, I didn't. 
and you'll never you'll never get hurt collecting things that you like because you you appreciate them, and you'll most likely keep them. Um, if you go after the money, that's a whole other story. That's not my story. But again, I don't think you ever go wrong collecting things that you like. And I was never a big condition freak. And I know that flies in the face of, <clears throat> excuse me, everything going on now. But I always would get something and try to upgrade it if I could. Some things I didn't think I'd find down the road, but I would get it just to have it and upgrade it later. I'd never pass things by that I needed. And the other thing I always said was, anything in my collection is always available for trade if I'm getting something I want more in return. So some right. people, again, it goes right. in their collection, it never comes out. Some people will you know, not trade at all. Some people trade anything. Um, I just, those are always my philosophies, right or wrong, but that's, that's what I always felt. I, I, think, I think you're in the right category, Fred. I, I always enjoy that question. That's one of the ones, you know, we usually, you know, you know, trail off with in an interview. And I just, I absolutely love hearing, you know, quote unquote, vintage collectors such as yourself, just uh, your, your advice to, you know, to new collectors. And and the classy the classy guess that usually follows along that line. Just collect what you like, and you know, be open and uh, just have fun, and don't uh, you know, think about the money, but don't focus on the money, kind of thing. So yeah, no, I think I, the other thing on. I like is learning about the things that I collect. Um, like I said, I have company records from Heartlands. I have company records from Salada, um, uh, and other guys have records from Post Serial that uh, that we share among each other, and things you can learn and figure out, and there's still questions that we'll never have answers to. But learning and right. uh, hearing and talking to other collectors enable us to uh, advance the hobby. That's very true. Very true. Fred, thank you for being on tonight. I appreciate it. It's been uh, an incredible education in 30 minutes. It's, it's amazing, truly amazing. Gentlemen, I enjoyed it. I hope, uh, hope everything goes well with both of you and all of, you, all of your listeners. Thank you, Brad. Happy icon, whether you like it or not. So, <laughs> I hear you. Now, again, just put hold in parentheses after that, and then you got it right. All right. Fred McKay. Thank you so tonight. much, Brad. Fred, thanks for being on. Goodbye, gentlemen. Joe. Joe, we're down to two minutes or two-minute warning wrap-up. Handing off to you. Uh, what you pick up on tonight's show? What a classy guy. I just, uh, I get, you know, when when really good collectors like that, people who've just been in the hobby for a long time, you know, talk about, you know, talk about, you know, their advice. It, sometimes it gives me goosebumps. And with Fred, it did. It really resonates with me. I mean, and you hear that from a lot of the more advanced, the tenured, you know, collectors, the people who have, you know, willingness to share knowledge, uh, you know, pass it between fellow collectors, just that kind of, you know, community, uh, it, it's such a good, uh, you know, it's, it's just such a good, you know, out, outtake to have on, uh, or outlook to have on the hobby. It's just, it's so good for the hobby. I just, I, I love hearing it. Well, it's, to me, it makes me feel good about the hobby, number one, because that's, you know, what he says I echo to a large degree. you got to have fun doing this, and you got to spread knowledge. If you're not going to spread knowledge, we're not going to have a hobby down the road. That's my biggest concern, especially yeah. when it comes to football. That's always been my concern. So I look at that, and I look at Fred, and, uh, you know, I know I got a, I'm, I'm 
few years younger than Fred, but I'm up there too now, and I'm saying to myself, you know, it, it's still a fun hobby. You can still learn things, and that's the nice part about it. And and I do love, though, his concentration in those four areas, the Saladas, the exhibits, the uh, posts, and the Heartlands. It's, it's pretty cool. All right, we're almost out of time. If you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Grace Magazine, what are you waiting for? GridironGraceMagazine.com. Joe, two seconds. Final wrap. Best seat in the damn house, Captain. I love it. Thank you for another good show, sir. It's good. Thank you, Joe. And we'll be back hopefully next week with another show. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.